Well, good morning and uh, welcome, and uh, it's great to have some visitors today all the way from Memphis, up the street there, right? You guys are from Memphis? Oh, okay, okay. Great to have you. Great to have you. We met, we met you, what, on Friday night or? Yeah, great to have you. Um, thank you so much for your prayers. I really appreciate that. Um, I remember what the Lord said, without him we could do nothing, and I need help today. So, Larry, um, to get beginning, I just push the start button then. Right, got it. Okay. Um, it's safe to say that a lot of Christians have a favorite book in their Bibles. Some have more than one book. I do. Uh, it's safe to say a lot of Christians have a favorite chapter or chapters, favorite verses, uh, even phrases, and even words. And today... It is my pleasure today to share with you one of my favorite verses in the whole Word of God. Now, i got a whole lot of favorite verses. I know you do, too. But it's my pleasure today to, stir, to share with you one of my most favorite verses. And what is it? So we will begin. Okay. Uh, if you'll turn in your Bible. Well, you don't need to turn because I'm going to have the verses up on the, on the screen. Um, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Psalm 145, but we will only uh, look at verses 1 through 6, but I want especially, my whole meditation is on verse 3, okay? So uh, Psalm 145 is one of my favorite chapters, but we're going to concentrate on verse 3. Okay, David is the author. I'm reading from the King James. David said, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day, every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Sounds like a lot of worship here. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and in red and his greatness is unsearchable. What does unsearchable mean? Well, it means basically beyond our understanding and beyond description. That's our God. His greatness is unsearchable. He is beyond our understanding. He's beyond description, so forth and so on. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. And then he goes on to say, I will speak. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible. That's a King James word. Awesome is probably a better word. He will speak of the might of his awesome acts. And I will, and I will declare thy greatness. Please notice that last statement. David said that he would declare his greatness, okay? Well, the title of my little meditation today is I borrowed the title from that great hymn, How Great Thou Art. And you and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, day by day, and how much more in his presence, are going to have the privilege and the pleasure to tell God face to face in his presence, the Lord Jesus, uh, in whom all the, the, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, we're going to be able to tell him face to face how great he is. 
And God gives us a head start in this life. Okay, how great thou art. And that's my text. Uh, my text is Psalm 145, 1 through 6, but especially verse 3, and that's in the King James. Uh, that's in the King James translation. Okay, um, again, I'll repeat. Okay, so uh, in this verse, David declares that the Lord's greatness is unsearchable, that is, in his person, in his essence. The Bible expands that great truth and that our God's greatness. Did you know this? That our God's greatness is displayed in four different ways, which deserve a response of all of him and an articulation about him. God loves to hear us, not only on Sunday, but God loves for us to tell him daily and often how great he is. Well, what are these four ways? What are these four ways? Well, it begs a question. Well, how is his greatness unsearchable? So I was meditating on this. I was meditating on this, and I came up with these four different things. I'm sure there's more. How, you know, how is his greatness unsearchable? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, his greatness is unsearchable in all his ways. His greatness is unsearchable in all his works. His greatness is unsearchable in all his wisdom. And his greatness is unsearchable in all his words. Now, the last two might sound like it's the same thing, but I'll try to explain there is a difference right there. Okay? So let us begin to find out how great our God is, especially in the person of his Son. Okay, his greatness is unsearchable in all his ways. And yes, I did the little emoji just for Josh, or excuse me, uh, Jacob back there. Yeah, that deserves a smile. <laughs> okay, so how many ways? Well, his, his greatness is unsearchable. All his ways are righteous. Uh, we'll look at a verse to back that up. All his ways are perfect. All his ways are higher than ours. In simplicity, he's better than everything. He's perfect in everything and so much. We could talk all day about that, his ways, okay? So let's uh, break this down just a little bit more. His greatness is an unsearchable in all his ways. He is holy, holy, holy. You and I are sinful, sinful, sinful. Okay, all his ways are righteous. Where do we find that? In Psalm 145, verse 17. It says in Psalm, in, that, in his great hymn, and by the way, the theme of Psalm 145 is the greatness of the Lord. It's, that's what the theme of the whole psalm is, the Lord's greatness. So in Psalm 145, verse 17, David also goes on to say all his ways are righteous. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. That's hard for you and I to, I mean, because we and I are still sinners by birth, uh, nature, and practice, it's hard to comprehend that someone is righteous in all his ways, but that's our God. It's hard for me to comprehend that someone is righteous in all his ways, and that's our God. He is righteous in all his ways. He makes no mistakes, Okay. He is righteous in all his ways. And to break that down, 
concerning everything in this world as we know it and concerning everybody in his dealings with you and I, he is righteous in all his ways. That's still hard to comprehend, but I believe it because the Word of God says it. Okay, let's move on. Uh, it goes on, the scripture goes on to say that all his ways are perfect. Where do we find that? Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, the psalmist said, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. Everything he is, everything he does, everything he says, everything he wills is perfect. Again, it's hard for us as finite creatures to comprehend this. But that's our God. And again, concerning everything, but also everybody, and that's you and I. Sometimes we wonder what God is doing in our lives. Why does he allow this? Now, if there's sin in our lives, certain sins in our lives, then we shouldn't be surprised. But why does God allow tears and troubles and, and so forth and that? And disappointments, why does he allow these things? It's because he is, all his ways are perfect. And we'll try to harp on that a little bit more. Okay, one more. Now, I'm sure there's more in the scriptures, but these are the only ones I could find for the moment at the time. All his ways are higher than yours and mine. All his ways are higher. He is the most high, the almighty. Uh, I love Isaiah 55, 8, 9. Now, it's only part of the verse. God is the speaker. And he was saying to his prophet Isaiah, saying to Israel, he said, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. I hope we agree with that because it's true. It is true. God's ways are higher. They are better. They are righteous. They are perfect. Uh, he knows what he's doing concerning everything in this world, even all the, all the problems in the world we, we hear in the news and all the sinful things and all the evil. Uh, he's in control, and, you know, concerning everything and everybody. Uh, that should cause a response of all and, or, and, you know, adoration for him to tell him, Lord, I don't understand, but how great you are. That should cause a response, okay? Oh, by the way, uh, as, I, as we press on here, uh, I got four different points. Um, I do not have an illustration for each point uh, because there's no earthly illustration that I can give. But I can point you to the Lord Jesus uh, since he took on the form of man, that the Lord Jesus is the embodiment and he's the expression that in all his ways that he is perfect, you know, in all his works. He's, he's the illustration. Our Savior is the illustration. He is the embodiment and the expression that all God's ways are, are you know, he's, he's perfect in all his ways, okay? So I just want to remind you of that. Okay, uh, not only is his greatness unsearchable in all his ways, but also, but also, 
His greatness is unsearchable in all his works. Now, um, a little bit more of a breakdown, and I'm more excited. I'm a little bit more excited about this because these are things that you and I can better comprehend. Uh, his greatness is unsearchable in his creation. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But especially in you and I. You and I are the crown jewel of all God's creation. Didn't the scripture say that heaven and earth shall pass away, but not people? You and I, regardless of what we might think of ourselves, you and I are the crown jewel of all God's creation. Uh, in, our, in our creation, especially in our salvation, which I really, really love and am thankful for, but also in our sanctification, after one trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, phase number two, our sanctification, until we reach glory. And then ultimately in our glorification, his greatness is unsearchable in all his works in your life and my life. That should cause a response of awe and adoration and to remember him. Okay, well, let's break this down just a little bit more. Let's break this down a little bit more concerning in his creation. Now, um, yeah, we could read the whole chapter of Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 30, 31. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. What a, what a great opening statement. Someone says, if a person can't believe the first 11 words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You and I have a battle on our hands and trying to convince them they need a Savior. But in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and then I broke it down a little bit more. And what I love about that lovely chapter, and God said, think about that. God spoke and worlds came into existence. That's power. His commandment, his word travels very fast. God spoke and things came into existence. Uh, you know, the heavens, the stars, the sun, uh, creatures, uh, the fish, the birds, and all these things, plant life. He spoke, and things came into existence. So I had to put an emphasis on that, and God said. And I like the next phrase, and God saw in the last verse, and God saw, and notice the phrase, everything that he had made, everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was in the beginning. Of course, you and I know what happened. Adam and Eve, uh, they took a bite of the fruit and that changed everything. Now all creation, all creatures, including you and I, are marred by sin. Marred by sin, okay? But God had an answer and a solution for that. So let's press on. But here's one that should thrill your souls anew. Uh, in our creation, now I love Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. I didn't put all the verses up. And I just put down the highlight. It, it's about the idea how God uh, fashioned us. And by the way, if you look at the verb fashion, that is a tremendous verb that God, remember I said a minute ago that God spoke all things into existence except for you and I. Now, sure, Adam and Eve, or excuse me, Adam was created out of the dust. But think about that. You and I were fashioned 
it, it took nine months. God was fashioning you and I just the way we are, our character, uh, his will for our lives, everything, in nine months. He spoke all the things in creation, but when it came to you and I, he was fashioning you and I, making us in our mother's womb. And what did that, what did that cause the psalmist to do? He says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. You and I are his greatest work. If I can use the metaphor, you and I are, were handmade by the Almighty God. We were handmade, handcrafted. In the beginning, he spoke everything into existence, but you and I are handmade and handcrafted. Now, it's natural in our lives, even among those who are lost and even among those who are saved, we either think highly of ourselves or we don't think much of ourselves. We rubber band back and forth. But regardless of what you think today, what I think today and what you feel, I am going to declare to you that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that should cause a response of awe. And that should cause a response of worship. How often do we tell our God and our Savior how great He is? Do we only save that for Sunday? When's the last time you and I told our God, our Creator, our Savior, thank you for making me, you know, creating me, uh, you know. And by the way, I believe with all my heart and soul that there's no two people in this world alike. You, are, you and I are unique and distinct in all God's creation. Very unique and very distinct. There's, ne there's never going to be another you, Tom. You are very unique and special. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and so are all we. Okay? That should cause a response of all and articulation. Well, this is to me in my own life when I think about what God has done for me in Christ. This is the one that you and I are going to rejoice in forever in our salvation. Basically in two ways, by the work of his son, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4, we'll look at that in a minute, and by the work of his saving grace, by the work of his saving grace. The work of his son. Yeah, I got a little emoji there, his cross. I love the Lord's Supper. I do. I love the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, the gospel in a nutshell. How did Christ, and notice the verb, died for our sins, your sins, my sins, according to what? According to the scriptures. And that he was buried. The verb, he was buried. And that he arose again the third day according to what? According to the scriptures. And God cannot lie. I believe his word. I trust in his word. I don't understand everything, but I believe his word. How do we know this to be true? It's all according to the scriptures. Okay? I'm just lost in wonder that he died for me. What about you? Think of all the people since Adam and Eve in the billions. And he died for you and I that we could be with him. I'm lost in wonder at that. 
and going to really be lost in wonder in His presence. And then the work of His saving grace. A lot of us have memorized Ephesians 2, 8, 9, but I just did the highlights. For by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. The vanity of religion, the vanity of works. All religions have a name that is under heaven. Jesus did it all. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you and I are saved. I am so thankful for his saving grace. What about you? How many family members and friends, neighbors, co-workers, and so forth are still without Christ? Now, you know, we could talk, we could talk about the, uh, the opposite of all this, about, you know, the lake of fire and the wrath of God. But no, we want to we wanna rejoice in his son. We want to rejoice in his salvation. And we need to tell him more often than just on Sunday how great he is. We need to do that. God loves for us to tell him how great he is. He really does. In our sanctification, um, by his daily work of grace, by his, uh, uh, excuse me, his daily work of grace, he daily supplies for all our needs, our daily bread, so forth and so on. Uh, Philippians 4.19, and his daily supplies for all our service. Uh, now, I'm sure there's a whole lot more with our sanctification, uh, but I, I don't have enough room on my, I don't have enough room. I don't have enough room to tell you. There's a whole lot more scriptures to back this up. But I'm trying to keep it simple. I'm trying to keep it simple. Okay? He daily supplies all our needs. Philippians 4.19 And Paul the Apostle reminds us, But my God, your God shall supply all your need. Didn't say all your wants. But shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. How? By Christ Jesus. Um, yeah, he'll supply all our needs. And he knows them even before we ask. But he still wants us to ask him. Uh, but yeah, uh, that, that's a tremendous thing. A tremendous promise. That he shall supply all our needs. And then our service. He daily supplies for all our service. What a privilege. What a pleasure to be a child of God, to be a, 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 a holy priesthood. Uh, how's that go? A, a royal priesthood, a holy, a holy nation. Uh, to be joint heirs with Christ, uh, so forth. To be a member of the bride of Christ. And, and to serve him now. And in, in Hebrews 10.28, part of the verse said, Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably. How? With reverence and godly fear. Um, I am so guilty of being so flippant so, so many times, trying to be funny, and I'm not funny. But uh, a day's coming, <laughs> a day's coming when we're going to know reverence and really fear. Uh, and that's, of course, that's going to be in his presence. Um, 
by the way, I would remind you that worship is the Christian's highest occupation. And the Lord uh, praise, or excuse me, prizes our affection. He prizes our affection above all our service. I'll say that again. The Lord, the, for the Christian, uh, how did I say it now? Worship is our highest occupation. And I got verses to back that up. Uh, that's what heaven's going to be all about, is going to be worship. And he prizes our affection above all our service. Didn't the scripture say, out of the heart of man, you know, our heart is the seat of all our affections. Your heart, my heart, is the seat of all our affections. And uh, thank God that he supplies the grace to serve him, to serve him. To live for him. Um, I love Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. According as his divine power he hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, uh, that we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He gives us the power to live. He gives us the power to serve. And uh, what should our response be? What should our response be? Nothing but all and then articulation. He loves for us to tell him how great he is. Uh, in our glorification, this is the this is the ultimate, this is the this is the ultimate package. This is the grand end of every true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love these verses. I love these verses. And we know, and notice the emphasis on all things. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. And what is the purpose of all the trials in our life, all the temptations, all the tears, all the frustrations, what is the grand purpose of all this? These things are all for our good, and it's all for his glory, that we might be like his son, the Lord Jesus. We're all going to be trophies of his grace. Everything that's happening in your life today, past, present, and future, is for your good and my good. Now, that's hard to comprehend, especially the loss of a family member or a friend. A sudden loss, uh, you lose your job, uh, everything, it works together for good. Everything. That's hard to comprehend, but I believe it. And uh, that's telling me that God's in perfect control. Do you agree with that? When it comes to your life and my life, everything that happens, it's telling me that he's righteous in all his ways, perfect in all his ways tired in all his way. He knows what he's doing. And the ultimate goal is we're going to be like his son. Uh, I'm not doing too well in my own life, but he's still, Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The ultimate end, we're going to be like his son. And without sin, no more tears, no more worries, no more cares, no more fears, no more bills. A lot of no mores. 
be like his son and to be with him forever. That should cause a response of all and articulation. He loves to hear for us to tell him how great he is. Not only is his greatness unsearchable in all his ways, in all his works, but also but also his greatness is unsearchable in all his wisdom. Um, now there's a lot of passages, but I, I like First Corinthians 1, 18 through 24. And I put it up on the screen here. Uh, I had to make this a little bit smaller. It's a tremendous passage. Oh, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. How many people we talk to lately, they laugh at us when we try to tell them that Jesus loves them. For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy what? I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And God challenges, uh, you know, through his, uh, through his author, uh, Paul, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So in this passage, we've got a tremendous contrast. You've got the wisdom of the world. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, that's you and I, both Jews and Greeks and everyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The Lord Jesus is the embodiment and the expression of all God's wisdom. Uh, I like that verse in Isaiah. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Yeah, you and I, all the days of our life, we're going to meet people that are opposed to Christ. They resist Christ. Basically what they're doing, they're wise in their own eyes. We need to pray for those folks. Do we pray for our family members? Do we pray for our friends? Do we pray for our neighbors, our co-workers, our classmates, strangers? They need a Savior. Basically, they're saying they're wise in their own eyes. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is a way of death, and especially with the gospel. There is a way which seems right to a man, but without Christ, its end is a way of death. Wow. How sad. Okay, not only is his greatness unsearchable in all his ways, in all his works, and in all his wisdom, and my final point, his greatness, did I miss, did I pass that up? Okay, we got back up here. Back up still. His greatness is unsearchable in all his words. Um, I looked up on the internet, I was really curious how many words are in the Bible. How many, how many verses, how many chapters, so forth and so on. 
Um, according to the internet, now it all depends on what translation you have, there's approximately three quarter million words or 750,000 words. Uh, there's about 1,200 chapters and there's about 31,000 verses. But, um, we're going to talk about that, but in his inspired word, okay, all, you know, they're all, anyway, they're all in his inspired word, but I also like the second point. They're also in his incarnate living word in his son. I'll try to explain this. In his inspired word, approximately three quarter of a million words. And uh, what does uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? A few scripture is inspired. <laughs> I seem to read that wrong. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Where does it come from? It's all God breathed by him. And he is perfect and he is flawless and he is holy, holy. And all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So what's that telling me from the very first words of Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and I don't know what the last words of Revelation 22 are, all those words are inspired. They're inspired, inerrant, infallible. And you and I have the pleasure and the privilege to open our Bibles and read them and find how great, as we go through the Scripture, that His greatness is unsearchable. God, our God, is a personal God and He loves to reveal Himself. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And then I like the last one, in his incarnate living word. Um, we might need to remember that the Father is or was the source of all Jesus' words. Every word that he spoke that recorded in our Bible that's in red, I really appreciate whoever came up with that idea to put all his words in red, that they came from his Father. Now it says in John 14.30, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father dwells in me. He does the works. All the words that the Lord Jesus spoke in his public ministry came from his Father. They all came from his Father. And you and I, in the four Gospels, is just teeming with his words. In Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John. Those words are disabundant. And I hope, as we read our Bibles, that those words just thrill us. He's speaking, the, you know, he's speaking the truth. His word was truth. His word is with power. Uh, his word by spirit. We get to read them. We get to study them. And we, it helps us to what? Worship him. It helps us to worship him. And to tell him how great he is. I love that. Now, one of my favorite verses, I think it's John 7, 46. Um, the Jews, the Pharisees, sent the officers to arrest the Lord Jesus. And they came back empty-handed. They came back empty-handed. 
And you remember what the officer said? He said, well, how come, you know, how come you didn't arrest him? Where is he? Anybody remember his response, what the officer said? Amen, Tom. Never a man, <laughs> never a man spoke like this man. <laughs> Think about that. We all have our favorite speakers. Uh, we all have our, excuse me, favorite speakers in ministry, on the radio, so forth and so on. Uh, but never a man spoke like the Lord Jesus. Never a man spoke like him. And you and I have the privilege to read his words. And you and I in his presence are going to have the privilege to hear his words forever and ever. He said something like this. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, and all the words of mankind are going to pass away, but not his words. And we got, you know, God knew exactly what we need, and this is all we need right here, right in this book. That's all we need. That's all we need. Wow. Okay, um, that was not part of my presentation, but it popped up. <laughs> okay. Um, application. Application. How can we make application? So uh, I will remind you as I remind myself again, his greatness is unsearchable in all his ways. His greatness is unsearchable in all his works. His greatness is unsearchable in all his wisdom. And his greatness is unsearchable in all his words. Um, that should cause a response. That should cause a response. You and I have a great God. We have a great God. And I'm going to ask you the question, and I'm going to ask it myself again. Do you think he loves for us to tell him? Do you really think he loves for us to tell him how great he is? I believe that. I believe that he really loves for us to tell him how great he is. And you and I, in our quiet time, can see those verses. We can read those verses. And on the spur of the moment, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, we can just break out and tell him how great he is. He loves that. He prizes our affection above all our service. May God help us to do that until we get the glory. May God help us to do that until we get the glory. Um, Tim, you, or, uh, Tom, you have your red hymn book. Can I borrow that for a minute? And that's why, that's why I told you I had no illustrations for each of those points. Because our Savior is the embodiment and the expression of all those points. I, I couldn't come up with no illustrations. And so I'm going to read again those words in, in the hymn, How Great Thou Art. I'm just going to read them again. I'm going to read them again and we'll close in prayer. Uh, it starts off, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder. In other words, he was just thinking, meditating. Considered all the worlds thy hands have made. And by the way, God puts on a daily demonstration in his creation. You know, <laughs> I am just as distracted as anybody when I walk out of the house. I'm distracted and attracted by the things of the world. But how often do we look at creation? 
how often do we look at creation? We look at the skies. We look at the flowers. We look at people. They are all fearfully and wonderfully made. When I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. I love thunder and lightning. Thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul how great thou art. By the way, a hymn book is a great help for telling God how great he is too. Uh, my hymn book's my second favorite book in all my library. I don't have a big library like some. Next to my Bible, my hymn book's my second favorite book. Uh, verse 3, and when I think, thank God for the Lord's Supper. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, how great thou art. By the way, um, one more little bit of trivia. One little bit of trivia. Um, we're going to forget a lot of these things I just said. I'm going to forget them too. But when we get to glory, when we get to glory, if I understand the scriptures, he bears the marks and the scars of Calvary. Uh, the thorns, uh, the nails and the hands and the feet and the wound in the side. That's going to be an eternal reminder of his so great salvation. And believe me, our hearts are going to be overflowing with a good thing. In his presence, we're going to know worship like we never experienced downhill, down here. And we're going to be telling him forever how great he is. Um, I am done. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> our Father in heaven, thank you for your precious son, the living word. Thank you again for him. It'll take all eternity to give thanks for him to him and thank you for your precious written word and these truths and these truths that we just took a little glimpse of your unsearchable greatness and how in all your ways in all your works in all your wisdom and all your words and especially in your son the Lord Jesus Christ God help us that it, whenever we open our Bibles, and God help us open our Bibles more often than what we do, that it would cause us to tell you, to tell your son how great he is. And to stand in awe of him anew. Because we're going to forever and ever praise him and give him the glory. Thank you again for saving our souls. We are more blessed than tongue or pen can ever tell. Help us to do this in our lives. And as the psalmist said, I will declare thy greatness. Help us to tell the lost how wonderful our Savior is that they can join us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>